Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you that as we enter into your throne room to praise you, Lord, we can also enter into your throne room to pray. What a privilege. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So the first slide will go up, and it's about intercession today. This is the asking part of prayer, and uh, it's on intercession. And we've got that there, a little quote there, standing in the gap is the easiest way to think of intercession. Coming before the Lord on behalf of another. And it's based firmly on your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, intervene. Excuse me, Lord, intervene. That's what it's about in our worldly godly place here that we live in, we're saying, Lord, intervene. The backbone of prayer is our agreement with God's word, our oneness with Christ, who is living, who is the living word, and our unity with God's purposes and will. Prayer is not an option for mankind, but a necessity. If we don't pray, Heaven cannot intervene. Now, that is an outrageous comment, Miles Monroe, but it's true. If we don't pray, heaven cannot intervene in earth's affairs. It's imperative that we take responsibility for the earth and determine what happens here by our prayer lives. Now, that comes from Genesis 1, verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Rule over this earth. And we do that in the authority of Christ Jesus. That's how we do that, in the authority of of Christ Jesus. So God said that before the fall of man, before sin, but that's his purpose, his intention for us here on earth right now, to rule and to reign in the name of Jesus with his power and authority. So intercession is for everybody. And if you'd like to just come up, I'll just have you here ready. He's going to be my uh, help. Thank you. That's wonderful. Just there. So, intercession is for You can just stand there. Just stand there for a moment. It's an honor to come before the Lord, just as we have been encouraged this morning by coming, coming before the Lord in worship and adoration. It's exactly the same with prayer. It's exactly the same. So, my center of gravity shifts away from my own personal needs towards those of others. That's Pete Gregg from the prayer course, okay? Greek, in the Greek, entuxus in the Bible is the word for intercession. It's a conversation or petition rendered on behalf of others by seeking the presence and audience of God. It's holy, believing, persevering prayer. You're actually saying, God, see this situation here on earth? It's not in line with your word, your will, or your purpose. So, Lord, come 
and intervene in this situation. I am waiting and I am watching to see something change because the Lord is true to his promises. So on the next slide, we've got four different sort of um, facets of intercession. So I'm now going to use Andy to, as a demonstration. I think I'm okay coming forward here. I'm just having a look at the circle. That's fine. Oh, props. Mind that. <laughs> okay, can I hold your hand, please? Andy is in the position, and he's taking the role of God. And I'm taking the role of me. <laughs> Just as well, isn't it? I'm not very good as anyone else. And here is the earthly situation. So I am standing in the gap. I am standing in this gap by taking the cause of justice before God on behalf of another. And I'm saying, God, look at this situation. Look at this situation with this person or whatever it is in the family, in, this, in, in the nation, whatever the situation is, Lord, look at this situation. I am bringing it right into your presence, Lord. And I want to see change because it's not in line with what your kingdom is about. Okay, so that's what that standing in the gap is. Also, standing in the gap between God's righteous judgments that are due and the need for mercy on the, on the people's behalf. So standing in the gap again, when you are pleading with God and saying, have mercy, have mercy on this situation. Don't judge, don't, don't bring your judgment down. Lord, have mercy. And that bit often, as you'll see later on, Will, um, will, will involve confession. So we're still in slide four, Beth, if you, if you could. Still in slide four. Thank you. Okay, standing in the gap by being God's secretary. You're reminding God of his promises. And you're standing in that gap and saying, God, do you see this situation here? But in your word, it says. And that situation is not lining up with your word. So please intervene. Please come so that situation lines up with your word. And finally, standing in the gap by being a guard on duty in a time of battle to protect those in the firing line. This is a big one, and we will be doing a bit more on spiritual warfare in a couple of weeks' time, or three weeks' time. So you're actually standing in the gap because you're saying, Lord, look at this situation. This person here is under incredible attack. Bring your warriors. Change this situation, God. Bring your warriors. Protect them and keep them. Lord, my God, I'm bringing this situation right here into your throne room, right in front of you, and saying, please, Lord, intervene. Thank you. A round of applause for Andy. Why not? Thank you. Well, that was different from the first service, wasn't it? We didn't do that then. <laughs> okay, so where are we up to? Let's just look at Nehemiah. Please read Nehemiah at home, chapters 1 to 4. Great lesson in intercession, a great lesson in spiritual warfare, a great, great lesson there. So... Nehemiah was working for King Artaxerxes. Um, the Israelites had been taken into uh, 
that had been captured and taken to Babylonia in BC 606, and Jerusalem had been ransacked. The walls of Jerusalem had been broken down, the, wall, uh, the walls, the doors had been broken down, and, and the place was in a terrible state. And Nehemiah hears about this from some of the people that have gone back to Jerusalem. Okay, the remnant had gone back to Jerusalem. And he hears about this. And he goes before the king and he says, can you please release me so that I can go and assess the situation and begin to build the walls of Jerusalem. Now, why is this important? It's important because Jerusalem is the place that the Lord dwells. It's his chosen place for the Israelites, for the Lord's presence to manifest itself. This is why it's important in Nehemiah's time. Okay, that was where God chose, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and he chose to presence himself in Jerusalem. It had been ransacked and broken down. He is released, and he goes back with passes through each of the provinces. He's given great favor, and he's also given timber from the king's forest to rebuild the doors, rebuild the walls. So this is what happens. He takes up the cause of justice on behalf of another. Let the burden rise. Let righteous indignation rise. And this is what they said to Nehemiah. They said, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. See, the burden is beginning to rise. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah had such a burden for Jerusalem, the ordained place of God's chosen people. It was the kingdom. It was God's kingdom that was at stake here. He sat down, he was physically emptied, and he was in despair. This should not be happening, was basically what he's thinking. Nehemiah caught the heart of God over the situation. The burden began to grow, and he began to see in the physical and then turn that into his spiritual mind so that he could pray. He didn't ignore the burden. He was moved. He was active, not passive. He looked, he listened, and he acted. He caught the heart of God. After he sat and wept, he went into adoration. That is the bedrock of prayer. Adoration and praise and declaring the name of Jesus is the bedrock of our prayers. Worship lifts up the name of Jesus. And Nehemiah says in um, chapter 1, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. You know, we've just been singing, you're glorious. This is Nehemiah in his version. The great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He's even actually putting a little bit of um, reminding the Lord of promises in there. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant. So he's beginning to mix that up. And to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Delight in lifting up the name of Jesus. Delight in being in the Lord's presence. 
adoration lifts up the name of Jesus and you're building a relationship with the Lord. So when you come before him in that deep intimacy, you are actually saying, I'm going to lay this burden before you, my Abba Father, my Daddy, look what's happening. Look what's happening in my life or my friend's life or a situation that has arisen. You're saying, Lord, I love you. You love me. Now look what's happening. I'm bringing it for you. So Nehemiah wept and he was utterly desperate. And there was a depth there. And intercession can involve that depth of sorrow, that depth of weeping. But just let the burden grow. Let it happen. The depth of our feeling that triggers a response is from the Holy Spirit. So Romans 8, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Have you ever felt weak in prayer where you've been seeing a situation and you said, Lord, I just don't know what to do. I actually just don't know what to do, Lord. Let that burden drive you into intercession in a deeper way of praying. Let that drive you. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. So as you pray, the Holy Spirit is searching your heart and he knows you. He knows your burden. Because the Spirit in you intercedes for God's people in accordance with his will. You are not alone when you pray. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit is there with you. He's searching your heart and he knows the mind of the Spirit. It's just fabulous. You're not alone when you pray. So standing in the gap, moving on between God's righteous judgments and his people. This, this is another form of intercession which can often involve um, confession. And it's a tough one. Because here we are with Nehemiah. He's saying, um, let your ear be attentive and your ears open to the prayer of your servant. Your servant is praying before you night and day. Then he goes on, I confess the sins of the Israelites. He is confessing the sins of the people that he belongs to. And very often in intercession, that is where we end up saying, Lord, we confess the sins of the church. Lord, we confess the sins of this nation. Lord, we confess the sins in my family or whatever it is. Very often it leads us into confession before we go into more prayer because when the Lord speaks to you if he says actually that's not right what's happening there isn't right confession is needed it's tough but confession is needed and that is exactly what Nehemiah was doing and for us we go to that famous passage in 2 Chronicles if my people that is the biggest if in the Bible if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. The if carries the promise. The if 
carries the response. The if is what God is watching and waiting for. The if is our responsibility to pray, confess sin, and be humble before the Lord on behalf of ourselves, our church, the nation, our families. Confession is frequently in the mix as you intercede. Standing in the gap by being God's secretary. You're reminding God of his promises in his word. You're putting the Lord in remembrance of them. So what you might be praying for will be different from what I'm praying for. And what I tend to do is note down scriptures that I know apply to my situation because I, I won't remember them the next time I'm praying. But I will if I've noted them down and I can pray them over and over again. I can say, Lord, remember your promise over my children, over my family, over whatever situation. And I was just saying that there are certain scriptures, I was saying it in the first service, there's certain scriptures that if you cut me in half like a stick of Brighton Rock, we were in Blackpool in the first service, we've gone to Brighton. And Brighton Rock, there's certain scriptures going all the way through me over situations. And I go to those scriptures and I proclaim them and I use them in prayer. So that is what Nehemiah did. He grabbed a hold of those promises. Do please read Nehemiah 1, 2, 3, and 4. Do please read that at home. So Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem and he assessed the situation. His eyes gathered the facts of the situation. Then he rallied the people together and they began to build. Now, the next thing we find out particularly Nehemiah 4, is opposition rises. So this can often happen when you begin to build the kingdom of God. This is when you begin to use the name of Jesus. You begin to pray for unrighteous things to be changed. Opposition rises. When Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates, the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they're building, even a fox could break down. The gaps in the wall were closing. They were seeing success. The Israelites, Nehemiah, were seeing success. But the opposition arose, and this is their response. But we prayed to our God to meet the threat. They prayed to God to meet the threat. Yes, they did practical things too, as you'll hear in a minute, but they prayed, and it's a we prayed. Not Nehemiah prayed by himself. We prayed to meet the threat. They rose to that challenge of whatever. The government officials didn't want the walls rebuilt. They didn't want God's people to succeed. They came to stir up opposition. Now, does this sound familiar? Sounds very familiar to me when I listen to and read through news reports in the media. 
who's going to court because they proclaim the name of Jesus, who's in trouble because they proclaim the name of Jesus, who's lost a job because they wanted to speak for righteousness, is very, very familiar today. We are in a battle when we stand up for Jesus. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? We can praise and we can pray. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. Then Jesus said, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The powers and authorities have been disarmed. Yes, we do see the effects of the fallen world, but they have ultimately been disarmed. Be persistent, don't give up in prayer. Remain steady, stand your watch to look to see what God will do. Be alert and be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now back to Nehemiah. I'll scoot along quickly. They were getting very, very tired. They were getting very, very weary. The attacks were coming. The attacks were coming. So Nehemiah decides to change tactics. Okay, so they were praying. Yes. They posted a guard. Yes. And then they also stationed people behind the lowest points of the wall, fully armed, posting them by families fully involved and then there's the guy with the trumpet and Nehemiah says I'm going to keep this chap with me who's got the trumpet when you hear the trumpet those that are armed will rally and go to where the attack is but listen everybody could hear the trumpet everyone across that Jerusalem would hear the trumpet so they knew that there was an attack over there so what did they do they must have prayed you know, when a, trumpet is, when a trumpet plays, you hear it. And they rallied to the trumpet call. And there's a little bit there about Moses holding up his hands. And all the time he's holding his hands down in the valley, Joshua is winning. So now we're going to just move to the end bit. And this comes straight out of Pete Gregg's book on prayer. On the chapter, it's also on the videos if you go on YouTube, the prayer course one. So get informed, gather facts about you. Nehemiah did that. He went to Jerusalem, gathered the facts about the wall and the gates, and then he got to work. If you're not very sure about what is happening in the nation, then go online and go to Christian Concern or the Christian Institute, two great websites saying exactly how they are lobbying on our behalf for righteousness in this country. It's, a re it's really good. They, they're the ones that will go to court. They are the ones that will help a Christian who's lost their job because they have stood up for righteousness. So you can get regular news reports as to what they're doing and then pray into that. Um, the persecuted church, there's... Um, Open Doors, there's the SNI newsletters that come out, there's the Indian newsletters that come out from our church office. You know, use them in prayer. Open Doors is amazing. 
absolutely amazing, telling you what's happening all over the world. So get inspired. So that one, that last one was get informed, get inspired, um, wait on God. What does the scripture say? You see the trouble we are in Jerusalem lies in ruin and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. If you are informed and inspired, then you can confidently pray in the name of Jesus using the word of God. Things don't look good in the natural, but you can intervene. Andy and I were on a, a Zoom call um, Friday morning with some SNI people. We had the, uh, people from Afghanistan couldn't join us because the internet was down. There are people from Germany, people from Australia, people from England. And with, there we were. Sorry? Philippines as well. My word, did I learn a lot about prayer on that. And that was just, just phrases people were using. You know, God, in the natural, this doesn't look very good. But we know, God, you can move. This is what you say in your word, God. Just simple things like that. Grab a hold of scriptures. Keep a note of scriptures and use them. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, I agree, is spoken by us to the glory of God. So now, get passionate. Get fired up. Feel how God feels. Yearn and plead for change. How does God feel about this? Just like Nehemiah, he sat down and wept. He really caught the heart of God. Say it as it is. Get stuck into prayer. Lord, you say in your word, it is a promise and you're true to your word. Then begin to pray through the situation. Get in sync. In Nehemiah 3, there's a lot involved in building the wall. Families rebuilt the section of the wall opposite their dwelling place, right near where they lived. They got stuck in. At least 19 times in Nehemiah 3, you read, next to him or next to them, this group were building, and next to them, this group were building, and next to them, it goes on and on and on, family after family. They took responsibility for the patch that was in front of them. They joined in, and they worked hard. They looked, listened, acted, and guess what? Remained alert for the trumpet call. They remained alert for the trumpet call. Some practical ideas. Some practical ideas. Um, I've mentioned writing down scriptures and using them. If someone says to me, oh, Rachel, will you play, pray for this particular family member? I say, I say to them, well, can you just give me a photo? And then on the back of the photo, I can write scriptures, and then I've got it, and I can use it in prayer. Particularly for family members that are not walking with the Lord. This is very close to my heart. And... Um, there is a scripture in Isaiah, and it says, you know, holding up, this one writes on the palm of their hand, belongs to the Lord. This one says, you know, a child of God is in uh, Isaiah, I've forgotten it now. Never mind. Isaiah 54, I think it is. And you can actually 
actually hold that photo up and say, Lord, this is, in, this is your intention for this person, that they belong to you and they walk with you. There's a really good practical way of reminding yourself to pray. Um, yeah, so pray for individuals. You might even print up a photo of a situation or a place and pray over that. I had a picture the other day about a dam. A dam, and there's a tiny crack in the dam. And the more you pray, that crack gets bigger. But what is behind that dam is the river of God. And that crack gets bigger, and that crack opens, and a trickle comes, and a bit more of a trickle, and a bit more of a trickle, as the Holy Spirit begins to move in a situation. And what you really want is the whole dam to burst. And, and the situation is totally changed. That's what you want. You want the river of God to flow through something happening here on earth as you have brought it into the Lord's presence. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, where does the river of God come from? Heaven. Let that flow, Lord, in this situation. I've gone really off course, haven't I? Those that were with us are oh, way off. Right, we're coming to an end now. We're <laughs> coming to an end. So, what did I just talk about there? I've just talked about get in, getting informed, getting inspired, getting indignant. Oh, get fired up. Get fired up. Feel how God feels. That's what Nehemiah did. Get in sync. Come along to prayer meetings. Involve others in situations that need prayer. Involve them. Spur them on to help you pray. In conclusion, the answer to our prayers already exists in heaven. It's hidden in the heart of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's hidden in the heart of God already. Faith arises in us as we get into the prayer closet and we lay our requests before God. In Christ, we have the right, authority, and power to pray in the name of Jesus. The effects of sin in this fallen world have been ultimately rendered powerless at the cross. Colossians 2. Jesus is triumphant. So we pray in our God-given sphere of operation, the earth, in order to initiate the words of Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us approach the throne of God's, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You are not alone when you pray. We enter the throne room over and over, pleading the cause for the lost, for grave situations, and for combating the effects of a fallen world. We ask for divine help in the name of Jesus, and we can expect an answer. That's faith. We can expect to see a crack. We can expect to see a shift in a situation. And finally... And we pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
With this in mind, we are, we are always alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You are not alone. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us, for you and for me, right there in that throne room, right there in front of God, saying, this child is covered by the blood of Jesus. They're coming into the throne room. They have a burden. They're going to leave that with you, Lord, because you are true to your promises. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you will help us to pray. Help us, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us, Lord, to come before you with confidence. We are your children. Lord, we come because we are able to bring situations to you to intervene and to change the situations here on earth. Help us to be inspired. Help us to be informed. Help us to be working together in this. Help us to be indignant, Lord, with that righteous indignation when we see something so far off, your righteousness, your words, your will, your purpose, and things are so far away from that, Lord. Help us as we pray in accordance with your word. Amen.